What's up, bros? Siege here. Just giving you guys a little heads up before the episode. This was recorded before the new wave of resistance and protests, but we still want to make sure that our voices are heard and that it is known that we support and we encourage our listeners. Follow the Black Lives Matter movement. Visit blacklivesmatter.com to learn how to donate, sign petitions, and protest safely. You can also check out Black Visions Collective, Reclaim the Block, Know Your Rights Camp, Minnesota Freedom Fund, Communities United Against Police Brutality, and the ACLU to learn more about the cause. Defund the police, Black Lives Matter, and enjoy the episode. When the What up, bros? What up, bros? And welcome to Brat Beats World. When it's Brat Beats World. Your boy Beats World fan, guys. This is episode <laughs> 82. I'm Zeke. What it do? What it do? I'm your boy, Tony Coitus. I love this episode. <laughs> I just want to say. Yes. I, I, we were just talking about how much this episode is just so much fun to watch. It feels like the, the actors had a lot of fun with it. Yeah. And I just feel like every character gave me something that was really satisfying. Absolutely. This was, this is like almost classic Boy Meets World in terms of storyline and memorable moments. But it's also just a very well written episode. Like you can see why it's so impactful and so memorable because everything just kind of works everything works our best characters are interacting feeny and eric are playing really well off of each other Corey and sean are playing really well off of each other and both of the relationships are strengthening and evolving it's just i i'm excited to get into the details i had two very big moments where i was like this is like i didn't cry but i am so emotional right now with what i'm seeing and the kind of just kind of heartstring moments that we get in this episode. So I'm really excited to discuss it. Yeah, totally. Um, uh, should we get into the tell me about it? Yep. You want to get okay. it? <clears throat> tell me about it. Tell me all about the show. Eric and Feeny think Boston girls. Sean enters the hotel world. Good for you. Yay. I did the best I could. They were, I it was one. very, very hard to string those together. <laughs> but you did what you could, and I say success. Thank okay. you, sir. <laughs> this is uh, Season 4, Episode 13, B&B's B&B. Sean, in a crazy scheme to get his economics project done and make some real money at the same time, convinces Corey to turn Feeney's home into a bed and breakfast while their unsuspecting teacher is out of town. Meanwhile, Eric and Feeney surprise each other when they bump into each other in Boston and start to develop a friendship. So, okay, where do you want to start with this episode? Honestly, I knew you were going to ask me that, and I was like, we could literally start anywhere. There is no bad storyline. <laughs> um, all right, I guess maybe we should um, just go straight into the opening scene because both storylines kind of stem from that, right? Yes, they do. Um, I will say the opening scene, even though I said there's no bad storylines, the first actor of this opening scene is very much like totally a setup and very sitcom-y in the sense that, um, you know, 
Sean comes in and he's like, I can't do my economics project. And you're like, really? This was our whole premise? Just Sean showing up to the Matthews place to tell that he doesn't want to do his economic homework? It just seemed very, very odd, but also uh, fun. I, I mean, there's a lot of elements of this that reminded me of the ski trip episode where they go to Feeney's um, ski lodge um, with Feeney going away for the weekend and counting on Amy to kind of watch his property and, and the boys taking ownership of that. Uh, there was a lot of familiar elements there. Absolutely. Only this time, you would think after the ski trip, uh, Amy would be more protective or like aware of Corey and Sean. Yeah, I don't know why she hands the keys over to them. <laughs> she tosses the keys over to him and she's just like, here, don't kill his plants. And I was like, did you learn nothing? It, it just feels like a setup for this episode, like you said. But I have to say that the payoff kind of makes it worth it, right? Absolutely. And also, I'm not going to lie, because of the scene and the setup and the economic complaint and the history with the cabin i do feel like sean is right when he says feeney knows this is gonna happen and feeney wants this to happen yes i do have some thoughts on that but a hundred percent um it does feel like both feeney and amy kind of understand that the boys are always up to something but they're kind of willing to just like let whatever happen like they understand that whatever it is won't be so bad yeah exactly and so i i, I don't know i really did believe um that they kind of gave him an opportunity to show himself and as you said the payoff is really fun and also like i always love episodes that show feeny as like a three-dimensional human being like he's not just a teacher that he's a person who maybe has a love life maybe has you know relationships outside of those with students and with this episode kind of having a b storyline centered on feeny's love life i always find that to be very um interesting as a viewer well, I think it's I, I agree with you. I think that what makes this episode exceptional is the fact that we learn so much about Feeney during this episode. We get to see his house for the first time, like really inside. Yeah. We get to learn about his personal life. And they even kind of take a moment where he's when he's like, No, I have a life outside of you guys. It's it's so satisfying to see Eric and Feeney having to blur their relationship between like, well, he's he, I mean, Eric even says to a bartender at one point in the episode, like, he's not really my teacher anymore. He's my neighbor and he's really invested in my life. And she's like, oh, you mean a, he's a, he's your friend? Yeah. Which it was just nice to see them finally kind of call Feeney and, and Eric friends instead of the mentors or neighbors or student teachers. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, do you want to talk about this B storyline really quickly? Uh, because since we're in the first part of the episode, we do get Eric set up for what he's doing. Should we do a roll call? For a roll call, we get Lynn Lesser, who is Arnie, uh, Dina Dietrich, who is Gloria, Michelle Clooney as Kelly, and Gladys Holland as Mrs. Timmer. We are the Timmers! <laughs> okay, okay, so the thing with Feeney's storyline, so the whole premise is that Feeney is going away for the weekend, he's going to Boston, and he wants Amy to take a look at the house. She doesn't feel like doing it, she gives the responsibility over to Sean and Corey, who promised not to kill the plants or whatever, 
And while Feeney is in Boston, he bumps into Eric. Eric is there on the, you know, family uh, store convention circuit, I guess. Um, He's about to fuck this hot older bartender, which I want to come back to. Um, And he starts talking to Feeney about this other chick that he's trying to bang. But we never (laughs) meet her. Yeah. We never meet the chick that Feeney is, like, in love with uh, ever in the episode. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like that was a good decision? Do you feel like we maybe should have got a scene of that dinner? Was no. just the conversation enough? I think that it was a good decision to not show her because it keeps her at a distance, um, which is kind of the message of this episode. I really love that Feeney is always talking about how every year they have this. He said it's almost like a ritual. Are you all right? You know, every year I look forward to seeing her, and every year we part company, knowing that we care for each other, but not quite enough to give up the lives we've made and find comfort. She said yes. You popped the question and she said yes. She said yes, and you're stuck good. (laughs) Oh, she said no. We always say no. Why do we always say no? And... Eric has, like, a very astute view where he's like... Because you don't really love each other. How would you know that, Mr. Matthews? Because if you truly loved each other, you'd risk anything for that love. Even the lives you've made and find comfortable. I think that that can only be expressed by not showing who this love interest is. By the way, I think that this show does such a great example of taking really complex relationships and laying them out in a way to where children can understand them. Like, this relationship between Feeney and this woman is one that, as an adult... I can understand completely. But as yeah. a child, maybe would have been a little too gray for me to kind of comprehend. But Eric laying it out perfectly, like, you know, you don't really love each other because you're not willing to give up those lives you find comfortable. And that being acknowledged by Feeney um, really is, again, just a very interesting kind of relationship for the show to approach uh, head on. Yeah, I agree. I remembered when I watched this as a child, I didn't really quite understand understand the whole you don't love each other as much but i remember feeney having kind of like a not unrequited love but a like i just remember it being um something that he didn't follow through on and you know that was enough for me to get the concept yeah i think that that translates pretty well um and it only is deepened as i've gotten older can we talk about eric a little bit in the scene yes let's talk about eric So Eric, once again, is about to fuck an older woman. Can we talk about this? He does have a thing for older women, yes. That we've seen an older woman understand that she is talking to a minor, yet continue on trying to get some. Because Eric goes through to what he calls a hot lady bartender and says, can I have a brewski? And she goes, are you of of age? Or she says, root brewski? Or something like that? And he goes, if that's all you can give me, acknowledging I am underage. Yet later on, he's like, oh, I really got to go tend to my friend. Um, And she's like, well, that's a shame because something real good was about to happen. I was about to let your minor ass up in my guts. Well, he's not... He's not underage because what she says when they first start is that he's 
fresh out of high school, so she knows that he's at least 18, but he's under 21. So he's legal, and she understands that she can be this young boy's story. You know what I mean? I mean, he did purchase a book called How to Act Innocent When Your Father Catches You. (laughs) That was stupid. But other than that... Oh, but you know what that did remind me? Particularly is relevant to this conversation is that Eric looked a really good in this episode. And oh, okay, turned on my Eric question mark. My Eric question mark question mark for sure. But he also looked older, and I was like, this episode, I remembered it being in a different season because they look so much older. Than they even did at the beginning of the season. I mean, I guess you're right. Like, just thinking on this scene, you know, we see Eric in a bar. We see him, you know, not dressed in just, like, a t-shirt and shorts. Like, he's actually dressed in, like, a suit. So he is kind of presented as older in this episode. And with the storyline that's going on with the rest of the kids kind of, like, running a business, I mean, that kind of presents them as being older as well. So I can definitely see that in terms of the bartender and eric there was this sense of a she's a bartender she's seen it all she can pinpoint down to the fact that he works for his dad and this is his first convention i thought that that was really great um and probably truth and storytelling but also as you said she's able to communicate how important the eric feeney relationship is in the sense that not only does she identify it as a friendship, but she also lets Eric see that his relationship with Feeney is so important, he's willing to forego sex with a stranger. To your point of her recognizing Eric and reading him right away, I think it's really interesting thing that we're seeing Eric presented as like a sex symbol again, because that was something that was so much a part of his identity in the earlier seasons. You know, he would get woos just from like throwing his hair back and he was always on dates with different girls in every episode. And it just kind of felt like he became like this like low self-esteem townie that just stopped going on dates and stopped interacting with women. So it just it felt natural, I guess, for them to kind of make that a part of the show and, you know, remind us, the audience, that in this world, Eric is still attractive. And, you know, as a bartender who does probably see a lot of assholes, you know, she recognized a really sweet kid when she came across one. And Eric has always been this kind of lovable sweetheart. And it's just nice to see that kind of working out for him and kind of paying off, even though he doesn't actually get laid. He still is, you know, identified as that. And thank you. That's what I was going to say. I love that you mentioned the fact that she was able to see Eric for the sweetheart that he was. Um, and it, I think that it showed a lot to her, but also to Eric himself, that he is someone who, I won't say does the right thing, but has his priorities straight. We get a lot of storylines with Eric not really understanding or letting his hormones making the decision. But when it came down to Feeney, he chose dinner with Feeney over dinner with a hot bartender who was going to pay and going to bang him. So yeah, (laughs) that's friendship. That's real friendship right there. (laughs) Absolutely. Okay, so I want to talk about Feeney's overall evolution and lesson that he got from this episode. I feel like we need to kind of backtrack and maybe revisit what the kids are going through. Absolutely. So when we left off with the kids, uh, Amy has given Corey the keys to Feeney's apartment to watch while he's on his little uh, trip. 
in Boston, and Corey goes over there to water the plants as he's supposed to. Sean is evaluating the house and realizes how great of an opportunity this is for him, and he secretly begins in airbnb and a there are two things that i love about this storyline one is when he starts to do it he tells Corey their interaction is very classic Corey and sean including the fact that sean's like tell me wait lie to me (laughs) lie to me me." because he understands where this is going but he also understands that he's kind of already in too deep and i really enjoy this bit of comedy Feeney left us a keys to his house. He knows this is going to happen. He wants this to happen. Ah! <laughs> Corey, if you're going to stay at my bed and breakfast, I'm going to have to ask you to keep your voice down. More parks are upstairs napping. Ah! <laughs> totally. Um, two main takeaways I got from this storyline. From Sean's perspective, I feel like this is the episode where Sean kind of sees his future beyond being a criminal. You know, he literally says, I have a future. I don't have to be a criminal. And that was one of the moments where I literally was like, oh, you know what? If you look at the season, if you look, even look at the last episode we did where he was like working for the mob and he was like, I'm on a street corner. I don't really know where I'm supposed to be. I need my friend to help me get on the right path home. And he just kind of you see him having this low expectation of himself. And, you know, he says at the beginning of this episode, no hunter has ever succeeded in business. And he just doesn't see that being a possibility for himself yet by the end of the episode. And, you know, we'll talk through all the details. He gets to this point where he kind of sees, you know, a future beyond being a criminal, as he mentioned, and him feeling like, you know, that there's a place in this world for him and that there's a future beyond what he thought for himself. And I just thought that was a a really great lesson. Um, And the other thing, I'm going to let you comment on that, but I just want to quickly mention that the other thing I I got from the storyline was Corey's need for order and punishment but let's talk about sean and we'll, we'll come back to Corey. <laughs> yes i'm excited to talk about both of those because Corey's need for punishment is it's great and it's very defining of his character but it's also pretty hilarious but one of the things i loved about this episode is not that it again shows sean's talent for picking up skills when he feels like he's kind of getting away with something the boy learns dutch for this, you know, and he like <laughs> he learns Dutch. He has created a very successful bed and breakfast. He's able to rope Corey in and even have Topanga. And he has employees. He is successful and he's intelligent. Most businesses don't turn a profit for like the first six months to a year. Like he turned a profit immediately. Immediately. Boy had advertisement and he always rises to the he actually outshines expectations every single time he applies himself. Sean just always needs kind of a to feel like he's doing it under the radar and b um the motivation and money is a very big motivation for him <laughs> did we mention at the beginning of the episode that feeney is uh tells the boys and amy that he's purposefully staying in an, a bed and breakfast when he goes to boston that's where they get the idea from we didn't mention that but yeah uh in the beginning of the episode they do they that's where the idea comes because amy specifically goes to sean and she goes actually sean a good Airbnb could run you about 200 a night. And I was like, that's so odd for Amy to not only clarify and be so specific about, but to direct it to Sean 
specifically, I was like, this all feels like a setup. With great payoff. Don is just so into being a host of this thing. He's charming. Yeah. He's talking with the guests. Like you said, he learns Dutch, which isn't really Dutch. It's that thing where... Yo, this show does this all the time. They'll have Sean speak another language for the joke and just never come back to it. I've seen this kid speak French, yeah. German. <laughs> they said he was an idiot savant at one point. But he does, he goes all out for it. And it was fun to see, like, Corey and Topanga get into it, too, even though Corey was kind of apprehensive at first. And for Corey, this is just something that we've kind of seen um, throughout the seasons, of him kind of always being this, you know, do-gooder boy scout who wants to, you know, uh, help Sean along the way when he goes off task or help Harley or Frankie or anyone he can try to be their kind of North Star to point them in the right direction. And sometimes I'm on board with it. Like in this episode, I get the humor of it. I feel like it plays really well. There's a good balance of, you know, Sean taking things slightly too far and Corey being slightly over, you know, exaggerating about it. But I do feel like sometimes Boy Meets World paints like this like black and white idea of morality and they use Corey a lot to be the voice of morality and i just don't know that he's deserving of that sometimes Corey a lot of times gets credit for being like a good boy or a nice boy even though sometimes his behavior is just as problematic if not worse than sean's it's just not what 1995 considered to be bad behavior dating a girl you know, taking a girl to a dance who you purposely give a makeover for so you don't have to be seen with an ugly girl at the dance. 2020, Corey would get more feedback from that than Sean. But and when you go back to when these episodes were airing, Corey was always just a good counterpoint to Sean. And I just don't feel like that's always a very accurate telling of their friendship if you really look at what Corey does from time to time. And so just for him to be so focused on morality and him, you know, getting balance in the universe was very interesting because I think it gives us context for why he's like this in other episodes. When I look at this, it reminds me of kind of white liberals who, when things don't add up to them, they're like, what do you mean you don't trust the police? Or what do you mean um, the political system is rigged or the courts? You know, it's like, well, yeah, this is how you've seen things for so long. So for you, life and the universe is about balance. And if you do something wrong, there are consequences to it. And I kind of think that that is the type of person Corey is. I thought it was really funny that at the end when Corey realized that him and Sean turned to profit, he said, his first thing he said was, now we can afford a public defender. I will not do time. <laughs> yes, That's the first thing he said. Also, funny. Corey, who is like the moral compass of the episode, uses prayer and God to steal food from his parents. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, you know what's interesting to me? When we meet Topanga as concierge, she comes down and Corey says, how can someone as sweet and truthful and honest as you be part of a scheme like this? Topanga's like, because money. And she's like, once they give it to her just for like, buy yourself a good pair of punks. She understands that it's a patriarchy. Men are going to be men. I'm still going to get mine out of it. And I was like, that actually feels a little true to Topanga, especially this version of Topanga. I actually really like Topanga. And I really like Corey when he is, like, into it. When he's, like, playing piano, which we've never seen Corey fucking do before. <laughs> when he is just schmoozing it up with the older people. Because 
Corey is basically an old man. Like, Corey has basically always longed to be an old man. And, uh, you know, for to see him actually interacting with old people and getting along with them so well, I think is really true to his character as well. I was going to say, it's funny because all the guests are older individuals, and I enjoy this group of guests. Like, they are so much fun. Even the, like, the Timbers are like one joke but it works for me every single time and then the couple who's from boca they are also just a fun tv stereotype that i enjoyed watching so to your point there are a few couples that stay at uh, Feeney's bed and breakfast um, and we see maybe two or three of them but there's another couple that's in the honeymoon suite that we never meet not to the very end of the episode yeah and it's kind of implied that you know they're a young couple who just got married and that they're just banging non-stop in Feeney's house because as it's mentioned at the beginning of the scene uh, beginning of the episode Feeney has a tub with jets <laughs> they say kooky when they say kooky when I think they mean kinky but they didn't want to say kinky on ABC. Well, I think he got the idea from Alan because what I remembered from last season was that he got Amy a tub with Jets for their anniversary. So it seems like Alan told Feeney, yo, I'm getting tons of puss in this thing. And Feeney was like, <laughs> Word, I'm down. I'm, I'm hitting up the Memorial Day sale. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> so we kind of we meet these different couples throughout the episode. And at the same time that all this is happening, Feeney is kind of wondering – you know, with Eric, you know, maybe my risk-taking days are behind me. Maybe I'm just too old for love. I just wonder if at this stage in my life, my risk-taking days are over. Or perhaps I never appreciated the value of taking risk. And that's why I've missed the chance of true love. Yeah, I felt that same way when I broke up with Debbie. <laughs> Remember that? No. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm still in there plugging away because I believe true love can come at any time. You know, I, the reason why it never worked out with this woman was because, you know, I didn't take I didn't make my move when I was young and foolish. And so it, it, the end of the episode kind of wraps up with Feeney coming in. We'll, we'll get to his interaction with the boys in a bit. But, you, you know, to this point, he kicks everyone out the house and he goes to his room and he realizes that the couple is still occupied by the honeymoon. Uh, the honeymoon suite is still occupied by this newlywed couple. And as the door opens, the oldest couple that we've seen in the entire episode walks out older than Feeney by, I would say like maybe 20 years. Yeah. And Feeney looks at him, them and he goes, I was young once and perhaps I still am. And I just thought that was such a beautiful boy meets world. Like Michael Jacobs tears, heartstrings moment of of them wrapping up the whole episode with one thing that just kind of really uh, leaves you with the the lesson that was learned by the characters, which is, you know, we're all young enough to take a risk on love. That was the other part. I said, Sean realizing that he doesn't have to be a criminal, which again, even saying those words now, it's like, wow, that's really what he thought of himself. And knowing that he didn't have to be was one of the moments where it kind of pulled at my heartstrings. But then Feeney seeing that he is still young and there is still life to be lived even at his age was such a heartwarming moment uh especially considering that you could see 
the interactions in Boston really did weigh on him. So much so, he said that he had a soft spot for risk takers when talking with the boys. So I really was happy to see that. And it was a feel-good moment for like not only young me, but older me, who really understands the complexity of all of these issues. I know we're jumping back and forth between storylines, <laughs> but I promise they're all connected. Feeney gets back, and as he's getting back, the boys are like, all right, you know, Feeney comes back. Corey's like, we're going to get caught. We have to get caught. The universe only makes sense if we get caught, all that jazz. Feeney shows up. He's like, oh, man, I forgot to pay the cab driver. And Sean's like, we have time. Let's get everyone out. He's kicking everybody out the house, and, like, they're cleaning up after themselves. They make it so easy so that every loose end is tied up except for one, which is when Feeney comes back, he goes, how much money did you make? And Sean goes, how did you know? Feeney goes, the the cab driver. He said he was familiar with the address. He had been directing people here all week, which I just thought was a great way for uh, Feeney to figure it out. And Sean goes, which is my bra moment, and we'll come back to the cab driver. I forgot to deport the cab driver. I knew this would be both of ours bra moment because the moment he says, I forgot to deport the cab driver, I was like, funny in 1990-ish as a naive child. In 2020, 100% problematic and I do not think that this joke uh, ages well. But at the exact same time, it's very true to business and I will give him that. The joke could have just been I forgot to tip the cab driver. It would have yeah, worked the same. It would have worked the same. But also, uh, A, it goes back to Sean having a plan for how to cover his tracks. And B, he had thought of everything, but of course it's always the one thing you don't think about. Uh, or it's that one loose end that is how they catch you. Including what I thought was really funny was the false kind of red herring of a uh, gotcha is when they realize that the little figurine on Feeney's mantle is missing. And Corey's like, that's it. We're caught. We're good as gone. And then it just kind of lands in his hand. And he's like, oh, that's not right. You know, it's just like this. I need to get caught. And the universe keeps uh, denying me that catharsis. And it was it was just so interesting to see uh, Corey like really freak out. Like I've never seen him like need to get caught like that. Like I've always seen him like he's either in the same boat as Sean where he's trying to get away with something like with the radio station and they get caught together or we see Corey like, you know, what? I feel bad like with the him putting out the fire and him being like, you know, what? I feel bad. I'm going to come clean about this. I've never seen him just go. I'm wishing that someone else would just catch me so I can get out of this. So that was an interesting um, thing to see from Corey. After years of Corey kind of always getting some kind of balance or reprimand, even if it's from himself, I do think that for him, life can't go on if there's not a reaction to his actions. Sure, sure. Okay. Uh, is there anything else you want to say other than this is an amazing episode? <laughs> Yes, I have one thing I want to say. When the bed and breakfast residents are leaving the bed and breakfast, they say something like, oh, let's go out the back. I saw something I want to grab. There's a bench I want to grab because this old guy is going to lug a bench <laughs> on an airplane. Sure. They say, let's go out the back. I'm guessing that this is evidence that Corey and Feeney's house connects on the back of the house 
not the side of the house. Ah, look at you bringing up old Going out the back, this is the only this is the only entrance or exit we have ever seen from the outside other than what we assume to be a front door. We never see Feeney's front door. But we always see his, you know, yard that he shares with Corey, and that's the yard Feeney's always entering in and out of. So that must be the backyard, if that's the yard that they're entering in and out of. I, I Here's the thing. I will agree with you, because otherwise he would have said the side door, and it, it makes the most sense. So I think this episode answers the question that it is at least Feeney's backyard. Guys, we're cracking the case here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you're right. It is at least Feeney's backyard. That does not necessarily mean it's Corey's backyard, but unless Feeney lives at, like, the end of the street... He can live on the corner. Like, his house can be on the corner. corner Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so, but either way, I think I think that was a very great observation. I have my nose to the grindstone when it comes to these things. <laughs> okay, um, we kind of did our bra moment. Um, I think we even kind of approached the Feeney taught me. But do you want to clarify anything? You know, Feeney saying that he has a, a soft spot for risk takers and that he was young once, perhaps he still is. We're kind of all capable at any point in our lives of taking a risk and changing our lives for the better whatever that might mean for us individually there's no age cap on that and so you know taking a risk this has been something we've seen feeney struggle with in the past when it came to what was it the roller coaster episode where jonathan said oh you know feeney can't be the the ski coach he can't do the ski trip because he's this old you know sconcy guy yeah he, he had to prove that he was capable of taking risk in his life so it, obviously this is something that feeney has struggled with over over time and with him being older and set in his age it was nice to be see him realize that there are people who are older than him that are taking risks so i think that was just a a teeny lesson that came through loud and clear taking a risk was something that every character in the episode did and participated in and benefited from in some way so i think that's the main lesson of the episode both sean and feeny learned that whatever they thought of their life wasn't set in stone. They were still had opportunity to live or go into different paths than they expected. And I think for me, that's the Feeney lesson of this episode. One thing I want to point out um, that I don't know that we mentioned was at the end of the episode when they're kind of going over how much money Sean made. I don't know if they ever disclosed the amount to us, but what they do disclose is that Feeney promises to to Sean that, hey, I will give you this money back when you go to college. Yes. It's like him contributing to this idea that I've always known that you are capable of more than what you had in mind for yourself. And I've always known that you've had, you know, potential and wits about you. And so for him to kind of encourage Sean in that way to kind of, you know, even further than just thinking about business, thinking about getting an education for a business, that was a huge thing that the show did well. Definitely what I was going to talk about. <laughs> they had that moment of Corey being like, take another risk and ask for the money back, which I thought was hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> but Feeney having the confidence in Sean that now that you've seen how capable you are, you will be an you can be inspired to go to college and make more of yourself. I think that that was not only heartwarming for Sean, but as a viewer, to see the way he cares about these kids in general. I think this episode is one of the reasons why he goes down in history as one of the most caring teachers everyone looks up to. 
Yeah, I mean, you really just see him have a t- a mentor teacher like relationship with all the kids. Yeah, it's not in a school setting; it's in like a life setting, and we're just kind of you know setting the tone for Feeney educating these kids more outside of the classroom than inside of the classroom. And I, I again, dude, season four is just dope as fuck, dude. I told you this was gonna happen. You did. You it's did. all getting better. All the pieces are locking into place. And that's another thing. As I said, I thought this was in a later season. So this was a surprise for me. And I was so excited when I saw it because I was like, this episode is, I remembered it being great and it lives up basically better than any other episode I've seen so far. It's just, it, it's, it's a ton of fun to watch. Like even still knowing how it goes through knowing how it ends, it's still so much fun for us to watch. So I would highly recommend if you guys are just throwing this on um, and listening and not watching the episodes, this is the episode I would say, go ahead and turn on. It's, it's worth the rewatch. Great. What grade are you giving this? I'm giving this episode an A. I thought it was a solid episode throughout. I'm giving this episode an A+. I have a feeling this episode will probably be my favorite throughout the season. Um, But it is. I'm giving it an A+, because there really is no downtime. I feel like every storyline works. All the interactions play really well. And even when we are, quote-unquote, wasting time, it's still fun. Like the piano scene. For me, this is an A-plus episode. I really, really enjoyed it. Is this the first episode you've given a higher grade than me? You always quote the nostalgia factor i think the nostalgia factor actually added to its grade i i mean i i totally get it there was definitely nostalgia for me but even outside of the nostalgia factor it's just a great episode so um i'm glad that we uh gave it a good score yeah okay let's talk about homework i have been playing sudoku on my phone (laughs) and i was like it is so simple but such a fun way to like pass the time i can do it while i'm watching television i can do it like right before bed it's just like it's i feel like i'm challenging my brain and also having fun play a little game of sudoku it's something you could play by yourself um, and it's it's nice quiet time that's also fun i'm a fan of sudoku when i'm on the toilet <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah, you know, it's a great time waster. You're right. Totally. Okay, so here's my homework for this week. And then it's insane. Um, I am currently quarantining with two other people. Um, and one of the things we talked about was this idea that, um, you know, when we were on our way to work and we were out and about, you know, we were all kind of given various hour, half hour increments of just alone time throughout the day. And uh, there was just a, a, a benefit, I think, that we all kind of understand that comes from, you know, even if you're just in your car and commute, you just kind of have those moments alone where you can kind of form your thoughts and you can kind of think things through without immediate feedback and things like that. So um, one of the things that we're going to try, which I would highly recommend to other people who are quarantining, if this is something you're still doing, is to um, kind of designate alone time if that's not something that you're given naturally. You know what I mean? Like we are actually scheduling out like a few hour blocks where we're just like each going to take a room and just not bother the other person so they can just be alone with their thoughts. They can process what's going on and they can, you know, you know, move to a more creative, productive way to spend their time, hopefully from thoroughly processing all of their thoughts that they have that they're just not able to really internalize. So um, yeah, that's my homework for this week. 
week is just, you know, having a little bit of alone time. I think that's so great. As you know, and some of our listeners may know, I recently got a puppy and uh, my boyfriend and I, we've been handling it pretty well, but I recommended to him, I was like, you have to get out of the house and not let your life be just this puppy. It's very easy with a new uh, pet and with the quarantine to just be in the house all day and not realize it. So getting some alone time and not being responsible for anyone else, um, I highly recommend. And I love that both of our homeworks this week was kind of in that vein. We're seeing things eye to eye like Powerline. Thank you guys for listening to Brought Meets World. Remember, you can find us on Spotify, iTunes, all of the places, Stitcher. Leave us a rating. Again, we always appreciate you guys reaching out. I've heard back from you guys on Facebook. And then also you guys have been emailing us, uh, giving us your thoughts, which we really, really appreciate. Continue to do so. Tell us why you think this episode is amazing. Because it is. And if you disagree, tell us why you're wrong. Um, <laughs> either way, um, you can find me on Twitter uh, at XCRA. That's C-E-E-J. And TC? You can find me on Instagram at BraverMe at .braver.me. And also, uh, I, here's, a, here's a poll. I, here's something I want to get your feedback on, listeners. Um, what do you think Sean would have did with the money? <laughs> I'm very curious to know what this kid would have done with hundreds of dollars. So um, if you guys have any thoughts on that, please let us know. All right. Uh, remember to dream. To try. And do Sudoku. Hey. And some alone time. Bros. Later, bros. Well, until then, I will continue my life teaching my students. Yeah, more than your students, Mr. Feeney your friends.